The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with hosts Victoria and Adair Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here with her daughter Adair, a lifelong vegan and an actress, a playwright, and a stunt performer to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now let's get this party started. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair. Hey everybody, happy Wednesday. I'm Victoria Moran. You're listening to Main Street Vegan. And I am here accompanied today by my lovely daughter. Hi, I'm Adair Moran. And Adair just got back from the wilds of Africa. What was the best part? Um, I, I swam in a uh, very remote stretch of the Zambezi River with elephants who were crossing. That was pretty exciting. Do elephants swim? Um, I think elephants actually do swim. Where we saw them, they were just walking because obviously water has to be extremely deep for an elephant to have to swim. Oh my goodness. So everybody is thinking you're a vegan. You spent two weeks in Africa. What did you eat? I ate surprisingly well, actually. We um, we spent a little time in, uh, in the Victoria Falls area, and that was easy because there's a lot of Indian food there. There's an Indian population, so every place had some kind of vegetable curry or Indian dish. Um, and then we went to a, uh, a lodge called Kafunta in, uh, in South Luangwa. And that was pretty easy, too, because they had vegans before. So uh, they kind of knew, knew what to do and what to feed me. And, um, and then when we were uh, canoeing down the Zambezi River and we were camping, you know, the food was much simpler because we had to carry it all in our canoes. But they did pretty well. They didn't really understand veganism. They knew vegetarian. They didn't know vegan. But I kind of, you know, said, well, I can eat that and I can eat that. And they came up with something for me. So it wasn't too bad. But there were a couple of things that were kind of bad. And they didn't have to do with food. Like you nearly died. (laughs) 
Tell, well, uh, tell us the grand adventure. It's always a good story when it has a happy ending. Well, the scary thing that happened was one of uh, our canoe, our canoe got charged by a hippo, a very angry hippo. And that was very scary. Hippos, I did not realize, hippos are between three and 4,000 pounds. They are very large animals. I guess I'd only seen them on TV. I thought they were smaller and cute, but they're big and scary. <laughs> well, only scary if you're in their area. Yeah, they're a little intimidating because they also hang out in pods. So often you'd be passing 10, 15 hippos just poking their eyes out of the water, staring at you as you canoe past. And you know, if you make those hippos mad, you're in trouble. So what is a hippo charge? What does that entail? Um, well, in this case, it was an underwater charge. It was uh, we were canoeing past and another boat, uh, I think rather irresponsibly, pulled up on the other side of the river to look at the canoes. And I think the hippo felt a little trapped between the two boats. And he did an underwater charge towards our boat. And um, what happens when a hippo charges underwater is you don't see him, but you see a huge wave come towards you and your very experienced guide begins screaming, get to shore, get to shore. <laughs> and you kind of panic. That that sounds really panic And you did say that your guide in, in all his many years of guiding had only seen this three times. Yeah, he said seven years he's been leading these these canoe tours and he's seen three hippo charges. Wow. Well, so I was it's not common, but it's very scary. I was telling somebody about this yesterday. Can you stand a horrible joke? He yeah. said... What do you do to keep a hippo from charging? Take away uh, his MasterCard. Uh, I, I was going to say something like, don't, don't make the price too high. Oh, or, okay. <laughs> but then you had another near-death experience in well, whitewater rafting. Yes, and, and this, you know, I, I'm kind of only to blame for this because I think this is just what happens when you raft these type of rapids. I didn't realize how intense the Zambezi River whitewater rafting is. I've done whitewater, but not that kind of whitewater. That's like, that's extreme. There were some really advanced people who'd done a lot of this. And um, and on uh, Zambezi River Whitewater Rapid 7, it's, it counts upwards from below the falls, below Victoria Falls. Um, there's a stretch, a very long stretch of uh, Class 4 and 5 whitewater rapids which you can actually see in the River Wild with Kevin Bacon. I learned <laughs> <laughs> they filmed this this stretch of rapids for that movie, um, and that was the first time I'd ever gotten tossed out of a raft. Was on that rapid, and it's very scary because it's very long. So you get pulled under, and you don't come up for a really, really, really long time. And I do not hold my breath all that well, so that was a little scary. By the end of that rapid, I, I was getting pulled into the boat, vowing to never, ever, ever do this again. Life is a gift. Sometimes it's given to you more than once. But, you know, I've done it once and I lived and I got some really cool pictures and videos. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to put some of that on Facebook. I mean, on um, Twitter. I right? think a couple of my, my rafting pictures are up on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. So if you follow at Adair Moran on Twitter, you can see the scary pictures. You can. But, you know, you have some, some family history of this because your husband was actually attacked by terrorists when he was a child. He was, yes. When he was, I think, 14. He uh, he was on, I, I forget the details now. I would need to look it up. But it, it was in, um, I think it was in 1986, uh, a flight uh, in, in it was going from, going to Greece, I think, or going think from Greece. Rome to Greece or something. I think it was, it was a short Rome flight. to Greece. It was a very short flight. And yeah, there was a bomb on the plane and it blew a hole in the side of the plane. Uh, and Nick and his family were okay, but 
I don't know. I, I would be afraid of flying after that. It's ironic because I'm the one who hates little planes and is very afraid of little planes. He should really be the one who uh, is freaked out about flying, but well, he doesn't mind. I remember that when 9-11 happened, we were outside of New York City. We were driving to Florida to visit my mother. And you were so worried about him. You guys were just dating then, but he was working in the Wall Street area and it took you a while to, to reach him. And I remember when you did, he had this beautiful, beautiful attitude. He just said, don't worry about me. I've already been attacked by terrorists. And one of the things I admire so much about Nick is that even though he wouldn't say that he was a spiritual person or certainly not a religious person, he has this beautiful acceptance of every day as a gift. And and he seems to imply that a lot of that comes from that experience when he was a kid. Yeah, he's very easygoing about things. And I was asking him, like, he didn't get freaked out about the whitewater or the hippos or the little planes or any of the things that kind of freak me out. And, and I was just kind of like, Doesn't, isn't anything scary? He's kind of like, eh, guess not. This is beautiful. So I beautiful guess it's just attitude. different attitudes. Well, some of us meditate for 20 years to get there, and some of us get it some other way. And, and I will say, somewhat ironically, I'm actually the one who picked all these activities. I was the one who really wanted to do the whitewater and the canoeing the river. And sometimes he looks at me like, why do you pick these things if they're just going to freak you out? Well, there is a certain Aries adventure streak that you and I share. I like adventurous things. You just don't always know where you're going to draw the line. And apparently I draw the line somewhere around Whitewater Class 4. Good to know where your line is. That's actually a line in Main Street Vegan. One of the people who contributed a, a quotation, Ashley Frenzy, she's an instructor for Main Street Vegan Academy and a holistic health coach here in the city. And she said, everybody draws their line somewhere. Maybe it's at fast food. Maybe it's at red meat. And to be vegan, you just keep moving your line. So... Veganism, however, is not scary like white water rasping. But I had a great time when you were gone because I got to take care of your beautiful dogs, Oliver and Tala, for much of the time. That was really, really cool. And then I did a really fancy thing. My stepdaughter, Sharn Melton, and I went to the Hamptons this weekend. And other than once during the day to do a talk, having lived in New York City for 12 years, I've never been to the Hamptons. So when I think about this lovely part of Long Island on the beach where very prosperous people have homes, I think of Sex in the City, which I watched for years before moving to New York City and some years after moving here. So it was really, really fun. I felt like this would be how it is for Carrie Bradshaw if she were vegan. So we took the train out. And got there early, obviously, because we were going by the the train schedule. So we went into the little town of Amagansett and had lunch at a a Mexican place, which was, was fine. And then we went next door to a coffee shop, and I saw somebody that I knew, Eddie Garza from Mercy for Animals here in New York City, which was so much fun at this place I've never been. And so he and his friend drove us out to to the party. And it was so good. It was a benefit for Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And they have such a beautiful commitment because they want to help people get healthier. And they're doing a lot with getting whole foods, vegan diets in, into the bodies of lots of people. They've done work at GEICO, getting GEICO employees to, to be healthier and cut down on the company's insurance costs and all that. But there are other uh, 
commitment is for alternatives to animal experiments. So they talked about getting the animal experimentation out of almost all the medical schools. There are just a smattering now of medical schools that still require that because there's so much great stuff with computer models and, and other things so you don't have to use animals anymore. So that was very cool. And there were some pretty sparkly people there. Alec Baldwin came and, and spoke and he was looking all tanned and movie star-like. And, and Dennis Kucinich and, and his wife, uh, Elizabeth, who works with PCRM, were there. And at the end of the time, I hadn't been paying attention to the time. We needed to catch our train, and we hadn't called a cab. And I was looking around, who do I know? Who do I know? Who can I ask for a ride? And the first people that I saw that I knew were the Kuciniches. And I ran up to them and said, we need to get to the train. Can you give us a ride? And... Then I realized you have just gone to the U.S. Congress asking for a ride to a train station. But I guess it's not all that unusual. I've heard to people writing to their congressmen about domestic disputes and problems with the boss and the landlord. I don't think they show up in person. Probably not. But um, that was kind of funny. But it was a lovely, lovely evening. And Sharna and I actually have our picture in Bloomberg News today, which is really, really fun. So, um, yeah, so I've had my my, uh, Carrie Bradshaw experience. And what else today? Oh, you made a good dinner last night with jet lag and everything. Yeah, I am. When we came home, a lot of the stuff in our garden was getting past ripe. So uh, we had a lot of kale, a lot of basil, and a lot of tomatoes. So I stir-fried all that up with some some olive oil and garlic and some pasta and... It was very tasty. Sounds tasty. And I made some kale chips this morning. Ooh, kale chips. Love kale chips. Kale chips are good. I wish that we had known about kale chips when I was little and hated vegetables. That would have really been a great thing. But you I, know, I don't know. I might not have been able to get past the green, though, even though they don't taste vegetable-y. Well, I think if you, if you grow up on green from a very young age. No, you tried to feed me green, though, and I was a pretty normal kid about, ooh, yuck, it's green. Oh, Well, now you're fine with green, and I'm married to someone who's not fine with green. So my karma must be green challenges throughout life. Oh, speaking of food, at the party on Saturday, I re-met a lovely gentleman who actually came to the the book launch of, of Main Street Vegan. He has started a vegan cheese line. It's not quite on the market yet, but be on the lookout for this when it hits your store it's called Tree Line Tree Nut Cheese. Adair, this was the best food experience I've had in, I don't know, maybe ages, maybe ever. No dairy, no lactose, no gluten, no soy. TreeLineCheese.com. You can follow them on Twitter at Real Vegan Cheese, or you can check out Tree Line Cheese on Facebook. The closest thing that I've ever had to anything this good is a very gourmet cheese that I also love that that is available. That's called Dr. Cow's Tree Cheese. Love it. But it's really, really pricey. So this is the kind of thing, you know, I buy it for Christmas and, and visiting royalty. But this gentleman with the Tree Line Company said he wants to make his affordable because he wants everybody to be able to eat it. So I, I was on the Paulette Pipe Show here on Unity FM on uh, Tuesday. 
And she was asking about the wonderful vegan cheese, and I had forgotten the name at that time. So, Pauline, if you're listening, it's Treeline, and it's so, so good. I made something good today, too. I made some uh, halva. Oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Now, a lot of vegans don't use honey, but I will use honey if I know the beekeeper and I know that they're ethical and I know that they're not taking anything from the bees that the bees are going to need. So I just put half a cup of, of tahini, sesame butter, with half a cup of really good raw honey from a beekeeper that I know to be ethical a dash of Celtic sea salt, and about a quarter or a little bit less than a quarter teaspoon of cinnamon, because cinnamon's so good for you and has all these antioxidants. And it's so, so yummy. This halva doesn't get really, really hard, so you could eat it as a little square, but you could also spread it on an apple or a pear or a cracker. If uh, if somebody didn't want to use honey, you could probably make it with agave, too. Yeah, I'm sure you could. There, there are lots of alternatives to honey. So what else is going on? Oh, I had a good dinner last night. Speaking of grand and glorious food experiences, I went to Pure Food and Wine here in New York City, which is an absolutely glorious place, and they have outdoor seating. So I was there with Chef AJ, who's got the book Unprocessed. You might want to check her out at chefajshealthykitchen.com. And also uh, Ginger Burr of TotalImageConsultants.com. We'll have to have her on the show one of these days. Ginger is an image consultant who is a vegan and helps her clients who want non-leather shoes, bags, etc. with some of that. And we also ran into Juliana Hever, the plant-based dietitian. Her site is PlantBasedDietitian.com. And it was just this beautiful kind of old home week. Chef AJ was in from L.A., to tape Juliana's show on the Varia Living Network. That's about to start. It's going to be really, really good. It's a talk show with a vegan health emphasis. It's called What Would Juliana Do? So if you get Varia on your cable, that's something to look for. But we were having this talk about the word vegan and how a lot of people just like to say plant-based. And I'm not crazy about that because I think the American diet is meat-based. But it's not just meat. It's got all this other stuff in it. Yeah, I think plant-based kind of promotes the idea that we eat nothing but, but salads. Well, that's what you think. And I think it promotes the idea that we mostly eat plant foods, but we can also eat some animal foods if we feel like it. And certainly you can eat whatever you want. But just for virtue of, of a definition, I love to say vegan because it's clear. And Chef AJ said this most beautiful sentence. She said, my diet is not plant-based. My diet is plant-exclusive. I eat a whole foods plant-exclusive diet. I loved that. I thought it was so brilliant. See, I don't like the word plant. I think people think of plants, and they think of like their house plants or, the, or like the grass growing in their backyard. It sounds so yucky. I don't know about that. Some people would think vegetarian sounded yucky because it sounds like vegetables if they don't like vegetables. But plant is worse than vegetables. <laughs> plant is like like you eat bark or something. Oh, plants are amazing, but then so well, are vegetables. They plant- are, but I'm just saying when you say the word plant, I don't think of a delicious vegetable. I think of like grass. Well, I guess it's all in how one looks at it. I'm just thrilled that we're eating food that keeps us just so happy and healthy and content with everybody. We have less than a minute left. You were going to say something about the rhinos. 
Oh, uh, well, I, I don't know how much time we have left. I've been uh, telling you a little bit about how I went to a small game park to see the rhinos because the rhino population is really, really threatened. And, um, and so we went to a park where you could go and, and see some rhinos in their natural environment. And, uh, and some of the profits from the tourism there went to help save the rhinos. We saw, some, we saw about uh, six white rhinos mm. of the eight they have in the park. But they're... Um, they're getting poached a lot for Chinese medicine. So uh, when we come back from the break, I'll give an address of a, uh, a, a rhino charity if people want to learn more. Oh, wonderful. That's beautiful. Okay, stay with us because when we come back, we are going to be talking about vegan fashion on Main Street Vegan here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. to be? It's a question we all ponder from time to time. Reverend Kelly Isola, host of Spiraling Consciousness and her co-authors, have crafted a guidebook that will take you on a profound journey. If you long for love, peace, and joy, or yearn for commitment, passion, calm, or clarity, this book teaches you that you already have all of these within you. Whatever you long to experience outside of you is an aspect of you wanting to be birthed. Who have you come here to be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation is part daily reader, part spiritual practicum. Drenched in gorgeous imagery, each powerful page invites readers to dance, to leap, to sit still, to stand tall as they ponder the question, Who have I come here to be? Join the journey of self-discovery. Come explore the world within an infinite field of possibilities to discover who have you come here to be. To order your copy of Who Have I Come Here to Be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation, go to www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com. That's www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com. this year and we're throwing the biggest bash of all a cruise to the caribbean november 10 through 17 2012 we'll celebrate in style aboard holland america lines eurodam with sunshine fine dining and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the eastern caribbean plus feed your spirit with music message and meditation Your favorite hosts will be there, and we hope you will join us too as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. 
For more information, visit www.unity.fm forward slash cruise. Listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria and Adair Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to like Victoria Moran, author on Facebook, and post your questions and comments. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody. And you know, you can join this conversation by calling 888 888- Five five eight six four eight nine. We'd love to have your questions and comments. Adair has the uh, rhino address. Yes. Well, when when I saw these rhinos, I was just so so saddened by uh, by how much they have been poached just for their horns. That I did a little research. I found a couple good uh, good online rhino charities. If you want some information on the rhino crisis, or if you want to donate, there is the International Rhino Foundation, and that is www dot rhinos dot org and there is also save the rhino dot org so uh, both of those places have a lot of good information if uh, if you are as uh, enthralled by the rhinos as I became oh you know it's easy to become enthralled by creatures who look strange the first time you look at them and then you look a second time and your heart is taken in I also didn't realize how few of them there were and and how lucky we were to see some there are mm. just hardly any left you are lucky you're lucky young woman and I know you have other things to do this afternoon so I will take over here all right thank you so much and I'm going from one lovely young woman to another our guest in this segment is Leanne Maley Hilgard who is totally one of my favorite people on this planet Leanne has been an animal activist since she was age eight. At 17, she fought for dissection alternatives in the public schools in Illinois, and that actually passed and became a law. So Illinois is now one of the states where kids do not have to dissect. She's also a fashion force of nature. Leanne is the brains and the art behind Vote Couture. Now, get this this address because something very special will happen if you go to this website. It's votecouture.com, and that's V-A-U-T-E-C-O-U-T-U-R-E, Vote Couture. Leanne designs and has made in the garment district in New York City the most extraordinary winter coats, also jackets, also some other things she's going to be telling us about that are completely vegan, absolutely eco-friendly, and so gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. Go to the website right now. You can listen to us and look at Leanne's website. It's it's possible to multitask. Leanne was awarded um, one of the best seven emerging green designers of 2009. She was named one in um, of t- the 20 under 30 by Veg News. She is truly remarkable. She speaks uh, everywhere, including Harvard Business School. Leanne, I'm a fan. Welcome to Main Street Vegan. Oh, thank you so much. I'm such a big fan of yours, Victoria. You're just amazing. 
in general. I mean, you're an incredible person. Well, what is so wonderful for me about your coats are not only are they completely ethical, and I actually visited your factory once here in New York, and everybody says, oh, well, we don't make anything anymore. You can't make anything in America. And I was in your factory, and I wanted to jump up and down, and I wanted to go to the halls of Congress and talk on both sides of that aisle and say, we can make things in America because there's this <laughs> young woman in New York City, and, and she's doing it. And and the coat that I have of yours is so stunning that I just felt like I was going to get the biggest head last winter because I couldn't walk outside without people saying how wonderful my coat was. You're so sweet. I mean, you, well, you, you make it look amazing. So, <laughs> so tell it. You have a very interesting business model, Leanne. You're self-funded. What does that mean? Okay, so when I started the label, um. I started in the bottom of the recession, 2008, and at the time, um, I actually had a different concept I was working on. I knew I wanted to start a business for the animals. I knew that I needed to figure out where I could put my skills and my talents um, into helping animals in some way that hadn't been done before, but the concept I originally had had um, needed bank funding, required uh, money for a location, for a space, and there was no bank funding for new businesses. And there still really isn't until you're at least a few years old. Um, but uh, I still knew that I needed to, um, to to start something that could help the animals the way that I could. And when I first started developing the line and we came to the point of producing the coats, um, I realized that since I was doing a custom fabric, we would have to make hundreds of coats to be able to meet the minimum requirement of making a, a custom production run. Obviously, we're making custom fabrics because we we're doing the first ever winter dress coat that was also vegan, but with high-tech fabrics that are actually warm enough for a real winter. So because of that, um, to make so many coats and to make so much fabric um, without funding, I was kind of in a bind. And the typical uh, way that someone would fund something um, otherwise is in fashion is to do, the, do it through wholesale orders. So typically a boutique would um, give you a deposit for an order that they would take, and then you would make the coats for them, something like that. But because we had a new concept, a whole new brand, um, really expensive uh, fabrics and all of that, there was no way that um, boutiques in the bottom of the recession were going to take a chance on us. So um, after spending eight months of fabric development, a year developing a line of 80-hour weeks, um, then the girly girl army, Chloe Jo Davis, she's amazing. She knew from the start that I was working on something that hadn't, hadn't been done before, and she knew that she wanted to support it. So she posted a blog post in the middle of summer, of 2009 and told everyone, hey, there are these coats coming. This girl, Leanne, has been working on them. You know, this is what they look like. And to my surprise, a few people asked if they could pre-order a coat. And I thought, wow, if they pre-order the coat, not only would that pay for making the fabric and production of their coat, but also for someone else's. So if we did that, potentially we could make enough coats for the production run. And so then I spent the next three days with my web guys, and we developed a pre-order system, had it up and running in the next three days, and we had hundreds of pre-orders come in, hundreds of dollars each um, in the middle of summer, 100-degree weather, um, for coats that these people had never seen in person from a girl they'd never met that they wouldn't get for a few months. 
So for me, I felt so lucky. And I knew then that even though when I started the label, I thought, I don't know how many other people really want a cruelty-free winter dress coat that's warm. I know I do. I know I want to do this so that I can push an industry forward for the animals in a way that that isn't being done. But when we had the pre-orders requests, we realized, wow, this is actually something that other people want. So it's a great proof of concept for me. And that's what you're doing right now because it's still summer, but you are about to do your (laughs) new line. So what does somebody do to get in on this? Um, so we still uh, we still do the pre-order special, like you said, um, every year, and it still funds the production. And people basically, the earlier the supporter, the bigger the discount you get. And so if you sign up for the newsletter on our homepage um, and also keep a close eye on our Facebook, which is just facebook.com slash Couture, then you'll get um, a newsletter that announces all the new coats, shows you all the new pictures. That's what I'm working on right now, just today. And uh, you'll get 50% off for the first day only the first 24 hours pre-ordering your coat. After that, it gets closer and closer to regular price. And we make your coat, and it will be ready in about October. Oh, that's so exciting. So, that's so yeah. exciting. Ooh. <laughs> and, and honestly, everybody, these coats, they're not just coats. They're absolutely exquisite. But for somebody who's listening, who's thinking, what, what's a vegan winter coat? What is a right. vegan winter coat? <laughs> Well, most people um, don't realize that wool is actually not that kind of a fabric. Um, There are a couple different things to say about that. Um, One is that business is business. So whenever you include any sort of ethical component to a business, uh, especially someone that can't speak for themselves like an animal, um, typically in the equation of a business, especially when it's a scaling business, a large business, or industry, the consideration of their care is not included in the bottom line. It's a bottom line equation. It's lowering costs and increasing profits. That's how businesses work. That's how industries work and how they profit. And so when you're considering including animals in that equation, they just aren't considered. Um, And so because of that, wool is a factory farm material. We all know a lot about factory farming. But in addition to to general factory farming cruel practices, um, there are extra additionally cruel practices that are done to sheep so that they can produce more wool. Um, There's like mule thing. There's incredibly, um, you know, sharp, uh, I don't know how to, cutting, I guess you might say, um, on them that ends up, you know, it's done very carelessly. There's a lot of skin chunks cut off at the same time. Um, There's also live export. In Australia, there's a lot of exportation of sheep that's done, you know, animals just on top of each other going very, very, very large distances. They're dying on those export trucks. It's really, really sad. In addition to that, in addition to all the cruel practices, um, sheep, after they're done being, quote, unquote, most productive, after a few years, they're slaughtered. So I've met sheep at the farm sanctuary, and I've read their stories where, you know, um, there's a little baby Angelo who was born on a slaughter transport truck of sheep. After the sheep were done being productive, quote-unquote, they were then put on a slaughter um, truck, and a woman saw this baby sheep who had just been born um, and said, you know, can I take that sheep? And the man who's driving the truck to the slaughterhouse was like, um, sure, you know, we're just going to the slaughterhouse, so, uh, you know, you could take that sheep, I guess. But she wanted to know where her mom was, and obviously it's impossible to tell. There are all these sheep 
just crowded on that truck. So um, most people just don't realize, you know, um, wool is it's definitely a very cruel um, fabric. So, you know, you just anyway, said that in, in a way that was so easy to understand. Wool was the last thing for me to stop buying as, sure. as a vegan. Yeah. And I think part of it was that it was just so hard for me to get that the wool industry and the mutton industry are the same industry, and also yeah. that shearing a sheep is not like getting a haircut. But so often, whenever we use animals for profit, they end up really getting the short end of the stick, and you just described that so beautifully. So I know that now you're not only an online business, although votecouture.com, I guess, is your primary business because that's how you reach people around the country and around the world, but you have an adorable boutique in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. How's that going? <laughs> it's great. It's so nice having a space. We can, I can meet um, some of our customers and our friends from all over the world when they come to visit New York City. They'll come stop by and see us. And it's also great because now it means I can afford to have a staff since I've been bootstrapped and self-funded. I hadn't been able to afford one before, but getting the space meant we could move shipping in-house and therefore hire staff. So um, that's been amazing. Um, and I've been able to focus on additional creative projects and things too. But um, getting to see everybody, I think, is the best part. It's really wonderful. So at this point, you're doing not just winter coat now and you've always done for men and women which i think is great but you're beyond just winter coats at this point right um so last year two years ago we added the snow coats um which is the down alternative most people don't realize how cruel down down is as well and those are made of all recycled fibers the insulation and the exterior and they're high-tech fabrics again fabrics you'd expect from patagonia or north face they're like um you know waterproof snowproof windproof all of that um and then last year we added earmuffs and um, knits and the knits are made from the waste of soybean farming um and they're hand knit in new york city and then um this year we also added some uh warm weather stuff for all our friends on the west coast and also for um, everyone in the summer when they're visiting us here, we have some limited edition um, printed dresses and hand-painted dresses that some of my friends have painted um, locally. So we have all of that, too. Wow. And you're going to be doing sweaters. Oh, yeah, that's right. So for this fall, winter, I'm so excited. We're, I've been wanting to work on some of the wool alternatives that aren't outerwear, but like the heavier um, winter outfits, so like high-waisted wool-like dress pants and pencil skirts. I just found some amazing recycled fiber fabric that we're going to be able to make some runs of that, um, as well as some wax canvas jackets and then sweaters. Um, for the longest time, I tried to figure out how to make vegan sweaters that were ethically made. It's so important that they're made um, by someone who is being treated right and being paid fairly. And um, to make sure that that's the case, I always like to um, have everything made locally or at least um, in North America so that I can make sure everything's done right. And everybody had moved all the knitting mills you know, overseas because it's a lot of machinery to be able to make sweaters that, you, that a company would have to have. So I finally just found an amazing factory in Toronto. I'm going to go give them a visit, and uh, we're going to be able to start making um, vegan, eco-conscious, uh, ethically produced sweaters as well so oh. for men and women. Yeah, and we'll be voting <laughs> That's on, so exciting. on our Facebook. Yeah, well, I'm really excited. <laughs> 
you just add such a wonderful dimension to the whole vegan lifestyle. There's so much to it. There's the, the culinary and, and the health, and there's fashion and beauty. So it, yeah. it just makes it this beautiful lifestyle with, with so many aspects. So, Leanne, where, where do you see this whole vegan world and vegan movement? I know you have a lot of celebrities that wear your coats and say lovely things about you. Where do you see that we're going in the next 10 years? Well, um, I've been in animal rights for about 20 years now. And, you know, the first, the first 10, it seemed like I was the weirdest girl on earth. Um, when I first started doing uh, campaigns at my school and making statement T-shirts, and everybody just thought I was really strange, and there really wasn't a ton to eat or or drink in terms of options besides all of the wonderful whole foods that you can make into amazing vegan meals, but the alternatives weren't there yet. Um, and then slowly I started noticing some great options in food. Um, and then I moved to New York City a couple of years ago with the label, and I'm just kind of blown away. I mean, I feel like New York City will tell you what the future will be like in some sense. And the fact there's vegan options at almost every restaurant that are, in, I mean, incredible, and they're, like, purposefully vegan options, Um and then people will try those and their uh, omnivore friends will try them and realize that they prefer the vegan option because it's actually more delicious on top of obviously being healthier for them. Um, those are the types of things that, like, I can see that we're just – the more aware people are, um, the more they'll be going vegan or veganish. And I think that um, over the next 10 years what we'll see is a larger – community of people who are in that veganish category um, that like you know in the diffusion model of any movement there's the innovators there's the um, uh, the early ma- I'm sorry the, the innovators and the early majority and the late majority and the laggards and the early majority are those people who are excited to take on the next stage of a movement and help it grow to that tipping point and I feel like we're getting there so um yeah, I think the future looks great, and it's been all around. It just feels like this snowball that's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger for the animals. So, I completely agree with you. The future looks great, and we can take that in a couple of ways. It looks great for the animals and for the health of people as more and more people yeah. awaken to this. But it also looks great as more and more people wear your fabulous coats and your other oh, wonderful okay. clothes. So everybody check out Vote Couture, V-A-U-T-E-C-O-U-T-U-R-E dot com. Sign up for Leanne's newsletter. And, and I will tell you because I'm signed up for it. She doesn't spam you with a bunch of newsletters. I hardly ever get one. No. But when you get the one in send the them call, out. Want. It's, it's your half-price, fabulous, amazing coat. And then you'll have to yeah, use your spiritual you. practice to stay humble because you get so many compliments. <laughs> Thanks for all you do. Thanks for being with us. Aww, We're coming up on a break right so now. Stay with us. We'll be back with more Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? 
Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Warning. After listening to the Oneness Program, Fridays at 11 a.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, people have reported feeling a profound stillness in body and mind that continues well into the weekend. Others have found that their internal quiet is matched by a flow and ease in relationships and daily activities. Join Reverend Dr. Patricia Keel for the Oneness Program and experience the Oneness Blessing. Friday mornings, 11 a.m. Central Time, on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the final segment of Main Street Vegan today. We are going to continue in the clothing vein. My next guest is Michelle Schwegman, co-owner of the Herbivore Clothing Company. This is an actual freestanding store in Portland, Oregon, and they also have a very, very active website for those of us who are in other parts of the world, and that is herbivoreclothingcompany.com. Herbivore has for 10 years been making shirts and hoodies and all sorts of things for people who like to wear their compassionate beliefs with style. It's a compassionate lifestyle store that sells clothing, bags, wallets, belts, books, all kinds of stuff. And when she's not curating the collection at Herbivore, you can find Michelle hanging out with her daughter, seven-year-old vegan activist Ruby Bird. Michelle's goal is to show people that vegan is the optimal way to live regardless of age. Welcome, Michelle. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. I love it that your store is in the Vegan Mini Mall in Portland, Oregon. Is that the only <laughs> vegan true. mall? It is actually the on- the world's only all-vegan mini mall. Um, oh. it actually, <laughs> it's actually not a real mini mall in the sense of um, a strip mall. It all began as a joke um, ten, about 10 years ago. You know, wouldn't it be funny if we had a vegan mini mall? Wouldn't that be cool? And this was Chad at Food Fight Grocery that, that said that initially. And then years later, we in 2007, we all opened in the same building, Food Fight, Herbivore, Scapegoat Tattoo, and Sweet Tea Baking Company. 
And it was like, oh my gosh, the joke came true. We really are a vegan mini mall. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, this radio station is connected with Unity, and Unity very much teaches that your thoughts and your words have power and how important it is to put good positive words out there because they very often do um, hold their own fulfillment. So I'm so happy to hear that that's happened out there in Portland. So what oh, inspired you to start this company? Well, my husband and I, um, it was 10 years ago, because this is our 10th year being in business. Congratulations. Um, we were, thank you. Um, he, I was a new, newish vegan, and he had been vegan for a couple of years, and we were really wanting to fly the flag, as it said, um, and, and show people, you know, what we believed. And, of course, we're Americans, and how else do we do that but by wearing a T-shirt, right? <laughs> and we couldn't find any T-shirts that reflected our personal style or the message exactly as we wanted it that also were fashionable, that looked good, and it had good design. And so be- being a designer, my husband, Josh, is a graphic designer, and he we started with two t-shirts and we thought, oh, let's just make these and put, make a little, you know, this, a website, this new thing on the internet. And, um, and, you know, we really did not know that it would turn into our livelihood and really our life's work, but we just followed our passion and our ideas and worked hard because we loved it. And here we are 10 years later and 40 plus designs later as well. So well, that's exciting. So now you sell your work. own designs and other people's clothing. Is that right? We do. We sell our own designs primarily clothing-wise. We do sell um, some other clothing lines that are, say, upcycled fabrics um, or recycled. Um, if we bring in another clothing line, it's something that's truly unique, such as Leanne's coats. We sell those here. Um, you know, we don't sell other people's T-shirts that often, but we do sell so many other companies' vegan belts and bags and wallets and, you know, always searching for something new and unique that has a good story as well as being, you know, naturally vegan, um, hopefully a vegan-owned company or a company that has great ethics or you know, less of an environmental footprint, that kind of thing. We always want it to have um, a meaningful impact or story. Tell me one of the good stories. Well, like, um, we sell, I mean, I can't tell you how many wallets and belts we've sold from a company called Splash. And it's a very small company that is based in San Diego, and everything is made from recycled bicycle inner tubes. And so he gets bicycle inner tubes from all over the country. People, bike shops, send them to him, and they make belts and wallets, and they also make flip-flops and some other things. And we've carried those ever since we had our first store um, in 2006. And I've sold, you know, probably a 1,000 splash belts. And that's a lot of belts and a lot of recycled bicycle inner tubes. Um, we also, right now, something that's really cool, um, we're selling these great wallets and bags that are made from recycled mosquito netting. So they're made by women in um, in the in Malaysia, and so it's a woman-owned company, and they're, they're hiring and employing all women that otherwise wouldn't have jobs, and they're using these this recycled mosquito netting and making beautiful and very durable wallets. So they have a great story. You're doing something, you know, really positive for someone else, and people want to get a new wallet. So 
that's our, our culture, you know, is, is people do like to get new things. So if they're going to spend money, let's have it be on something that's, you know, that's got doing some good as well. Absolutely. So what are your yeah. favorite T-shirt sayings? Oh, my gosh. You know, right now, one of our most popular shirts is Only Kale Can Save Us Now. You know, <gasps> kale is the, the darling green of 2012. Um, you know, everyone is very into kale and kale salads and, you know, kale chips. And um, we've had this design for about a year and a half now, and we have it on a tank top and T-shirts and thermals and a poster and stickers. Um and it's just, it looks like an old-timey um, poster from, like, an old-fashioned grocery store, and it's very vibrant and happy-looking, and it's such a great message. You know, people are like, what does that really mean? And, you know, <laughs> it, it's kind of a, it's a joke. It's a, you know, obviously, kale is not going to save the world, <laughs> um, but it will make people healthier, and it makes people think about what they're eating, you know, what they're putting in their mouth. So as long as they're putting some green in their mouth and not, you know, an animal, we're happy about that. So oh, that's for really sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, I just um, was listening to one of Dr. Michael Greger's videos, and he said in that wonderful kind of deadpan way that he can uh-huh. express himself, is there anything that kale can't do? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Right now, the answer is no. Now, how about the more in-your-face messages? I know those are kind of controversial. Some people think they're great to to really have, I would say, harsh vegan message on a shirt. And other people say, no, you know, people are doing the best they can, and we don't want to be too out there. What's your opinion? My opinion is there's room for everybody at the party. And we have messages that appeal to both kinds of people. You know, Compassion is Invincible is a shirt that we have right now that's very popular. I mean, you cannot get any more lovey-dovey than that. And that is a very powerful statement. It's saying that, you know, my compassion will win in the end. And I love that because, you know, my mom taught me in a, in a funny way, you know, to always kill with kindness. If you're always the nicest person and if you stay positive and if you maintain that kind manner, you'll prevail, really. Like, you know, the, the, the good will win. And then we have things that are like, you know, eat like you give a damn. Some people think that that's in your face. I don't really think it's that in your face. But we've had other others that say eating meat is messing up the planet. And, you know, that's very in your face. And some people feel that way and just want want to, you know, maybe put that out there and not talk about it. I, I do think that the people that like the more in-your-face messages are, are people that maybe are not as good with personal discourse. Uh, <laughs> that may be. Like, well, you know, they like to put it on their shirt because then nobody will talk to me about it, but now you know what my opinion is. Yes, so, yes. Well, you know, Michelle... Thank you so much. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just got the one-minute warning. People look at T-shirts. I was wearing one the other day that said, I love pigs. And I think four people came up to me and said, oh, you love pigs. And we got into a little conversation. So Michelle is with herbivoreclothing.com. Check them out. Buy some shirts, hoodies, clothing, bags, wallets, belts, etc. 
thank you so much for all that you're doing in the world. And thanks, everybody, for being part of this show today. We'll be back a week from now with more Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. God bless. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria and Adair Moran entertain, educate, and inspire you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria and Adair or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Are you ready for the next steps on your spiritual path? If you are, you won't want to miss the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. Essential insights and practices from the ancient yoga science of self-realization show us how to live healthier, happier, more balanced lives. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and realize your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Rev. Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now, in the silence, to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth, is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. When you truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting. No more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you are ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks, so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. 
Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. Let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.